listening to the You're Smarter Than Us podcast, a proud member of the Soccer and Sweet Tea Network. Good morning, and welcome to the You Are Smarter Than Us podcast. I'm Pat. I'm here with Tim this morning. Tim, good morning. Good morning, Pat. How are you this morning? I'm not doing that well after the game last night. If you watched our men's game or watched the stream, uh, we're a little disappointed. However, we've got a lot of positives to talk about this Sunday morning. We're talking some women's soccer. We're doing a World Cup preview. want to give a shout-out to the Asheville City Soccer Club's event coming up on Friday. But these are all things we'll get get into on the podcast. But Tim, good morning. I wanted to introduce Tim this morning, everyone. He actually went to Knoxville last night to watch the game. So we're going to get a first-hand analysis of what happened his feeling. So, Tim, first things first, we lost 2-0. What was your first reaction to the loss? Plan A didn't work, and we didn't have a plan B. So, everything about Knoxville yesterday was very strange. It, it was hot. The The stadium, if you can loosely call it that, was rec league level. The pitch was gorgeous, but they have small stands, no locker rooms whatsoever for the boys. They're literally changing and drinking water under just a, a large canopy the fans there were so strange they a lot of a lot of families and no matter what happened on the pitch it was just golf claps and just all around very strange and quite honestly it just seemed like the boys never quite got off the bus the team looked frustrated our team you're talking about our team yes Uh, on on paper we went into this game i believe i even said it last week we should have trounced these guys i think the boys even knew that They'd only won one game all season. It was against Greenville. It was a wonky game with a a double yellow card on the wrong player uh, injury after they'd used all their subs. So everything about it on paper looked like we should have trounced these guys. And I don't know what happened. I don't know if that confidence got to the boys too, but they, they warming up, they even looked a little frustrated. Well, we were playing with a man up for the second half too, right? Yeah, about the, I want to say about 35th, 40th minute, there was a very dubious red card on Knoxville. I believe it was for a jersey tug on N4, uh, maybe a last man before the keeper sort of red card. I thought he clipped his heel. I still don't quite understand it. Straight red. Everybody was super confused. But everything we were doing before that red card, we tried to do after that red card. And it didn't work before, and it didn't work after. And the overwhelming sentiment that I got out of the whole thing was just plan A wasn't working, and it never seemed like we shifted to a plan B. Wow. That, I mean, you were texting me throughout the game yesterday being there, and that's kind of what you were saying was just we looked flat, didn't get off the bus. You know, kind of the same in, same out. I mean, some games people don't perform, and we've all been there playing a game where you just didn't want to be there. However, we're playing the, the bottom team in the league. We're playing a man up. We're down by one. You know, we I kind of with the season and how it's going, we want us to we want to pull out more draws. We're looking forward to the men. I guess now, hopefully, making the playoffs. So this was a game that I mean, you can't assume that you're ever going to win on the road. But you know, being a man up for the second half is it it was it too unreasonable to expect a draw? Or Tim, tell me, be honest with me. Did it even look like we stood a chance of pulling out a draw at the end? I don't I don't know where the goal was going to come from. I went with Chris and Martin and a couple other South Slope Blues, Buxton boys, and they made some great 
great observations of how obviously Asheville being fairly offensive minded and having quick front footed players up front with Andrade and N4. Dealey started, he came off. I, I forget when he came off, but we we were attacking. We they were compact, they were organized. At home, it was very strange to see them very obviously playing for maybe a draw. Mm. And first half, that's what they did. They never both of their goals were counterattacking goals where our defense fell asleep in the back. Parker came out on the first goal. He made a you know, he made one of those goalkeeper decisions, came out, maybe should have stayed on his line, didn't get down for it. You know what? Those happen, but his defense didn't, they didn't exactly cover themselves in glory and kind of falling asleep and letting that through ball. But when we went up, they were already up a goal, or when we went up a man, they were already up a goal and they just sat back even further and there was no way of breaking them down and we continued to use that even if they had 11 men on the pit we were using our wings and sending in cross when they they were just inviting that they were perfectly comfortable please 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 continue sending in these crosses how how big were their center back compared to n4 my height maybe six Six one, but that again, that just nobody was getting on the end of them. More Cowell got on the end of a couple of them off of corner kicks, but they, you know, kind of spraying them all over the place. I honestly, ninety minutes, I'm not sure we tested their keeper once to the point that my heart jumped up into my throat. Dealey did score a goal that got called uh, disallowed for offside, which uh, again, from where we were standing, we were very confused about and we're very excited about for a moment, but. As they invited that pressure on, we did not seem to be able to swing the ball left to right, bring it into N4 on his feet, and allow him to send it back out. There was just no way to break them down as they continue to invite that pressure and stay compact. So would you say that mostly when the, with the way that the men are playing or the way they played against Knoxville, we're taking the ball out to the wide and we're just putting in crosses, but they're just more crosses into the box rather than with a specific purpose? That That's exactly what it is at the moment. And that seems to be plan A, and that seems to have worked maybe against Atlanta. I think it worked somewhat against Chattanooga, but this is maybe the third third game in a row that second Chattanooga game we were playing much the same way and we only had the one goal from Cameron Saul it it's just not working and there needs to be Elliot Cuts came off the bench he's been hurt he plays with N4 at Wingate I think they're going to have some chemistry up there eventually and they're kind of a, a dual striker partnership with Cuts kind of coming back but you could see N4 even getting frustrated by not getting service because instead of staying up top, he started to come into the midfield to collect the ball. Like a false nine a little bit. Exactly. And he was kind of making something happen, but I don't necessarily think that's his role. Yeah, because you you were totally right. Uh, A striker is is very heavily dependent upon his service. So not criticize. I mean, if if you're a striker and you're not getting proper service, it's hard to create opportunities. And especially... When you, I mean, just calling a spade a spade, when you're usually giving up several inches, significant inches to center backs too, if he's not getting the ball in the right opportunities, he's not going to be able to produce and four isn't. And it just seems like we're watching the same game. We're like we're at the halfway point in the season, and we're, we watched the same game two, three times. And you know, we uh, we had a draw, uh, we've had a victory here and there, but nothing convincing that moving forward is actually going to help us take have a run in the playoffs. Maybe, you know, if we make it, you know, maybe we'll, we'll have a round or two. But you know, where's 
where the goal's coming from. You know, when we come to the games and we're gonna, if we draw 2,500 people next Thursday, if it's gonna, if it's a beautiful day, like we want to watch goals, we want to watch our team win. Where where can we expect that? Who's gonna step up and create that chance and score the goal? Uh, I, again, I, we want it to be in four, but it's just not happening right now for us as a team. But you know who it is happening for right now as a team is the women's team right now. 4-0 FC rolling through today, uh, yesterday as well. The women are looking great, Tim. Looking really great. Absolutely. Big game yesterday against Carolina Dynamo. Beat them again, this time away. Tina Shimshock started the scoring in a 21st minute. Just absolute blast from the Screamer. outside that, that just looped over the keeper. No chance. Jennifer Cujo in the 62nd minute. Laura Greb in the 83rd. And Sumter in the 87th. Dude, let's talk about Cujo real quickly. Most I don't know if all of our listeners know this. She's actually a Ghanaian international soccer player. And I think if you told me right, Tim, three-time women, Ghanaian Women's National Player of the Year? Uh, one time in 2015, but she's capped for them at the Under-17 World Cup twice and the Under-20 World Cup. My stats man gave me the wrong stats. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's also a three-time WPSL All-Star team member though she's, there it is yeah she's played for the california Wildstorm in the past and she's co-leader after yesterday for goals on the season with somebody we'll talk about in a second but she has just been an absolute star for us this year she low center of gravity well-weighted passes always seems under control never seems rushed i think out of both teams actually she's probably the most mature player she never gets pushed off the ball she always knows what she's doing she's actually coaching for Asheville shield this year also with tom dealey so i'm i'm glad to have that sort of personality and professionalism in Asheville, teaching the next generation of Asheville soccer players yeah, she is. We've been watching uh, a bunch of video on her recently, and we were watching the old Dynamo game. And man, the way that she controls the midfield, never gives up possession. I love her technical dribbling. It's fantastic. And it just seems like every time that she goes in, even if she's going in against two different people, she's going to come out with the ball, or at least our team's going to win it out of there. She's disruptive. She's possessive. She makes great decisions. I mean, you see her when she gets the ball in midfield. She's Her head is always up. One touch, two touch, balls out of her feet. And she really starts setting up the team, putting balls down the wing, putting them through the middle. I mean, if we go to an Asheville City Soccer Club game, uh, women's game, which we recommend this Tuesday, we'll bo- uh, I'll be there. Tim hopefully will be there. Watch out for number eight. Um, she uh, she is really, as you probably said, probably maybe the best player on the pitch. I mean, definitely the most mature in the way that she dictates tempo and possession. Yeah, you made a great point earlier, too, about the way that she's not always looking to pass forward. She does a fantastic job of delivering horizontal lateral switches. Quickly, that, too. Yeah, that really draws and I, it confuses the defense. They don't. I don't know if they're used to that. Maybe maybe at this level they are, but it's catching some of these defenses by surprise. Another player we really want to kind of shout out is Molly Dwyer. Our number six, our forward. She's from Furman, and she is actually tied with Jennifer with the most goals in all competitions this season with four. I did a little bit of a YouTube deep dive on a lot of these girls this week, and... Uh, for a 5'5 five, five player, Molly Dwyer plays like she's just six, seven, eight inches taller. Her she she has this ability to whip her legs around, and her first touch is 
absolutely phenomenal. Oh, she's quick. She, her position, her uh, her attacking positional awareness is fantastic. I mean, when you're looking at uh, her YouTube highlights, which of course YouTube is YouTube, but the way that you see it, it's but it's how far away she is from the ball when she makes her 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 runs into the box. Really, I I, I asked you this before. The way that she plays at times is kind of like a fox in the box. It's a small little predator that, but just given just a glimmer of opportunity, is going to put the ball in the back of the net. She has been playing so well this year. I mean, we we've talked about the women on this podcast a few times. Um, I, I mean, but really when we were looking at the most recent film, uh, we think that Cujo and Dwyer have really been stepping up. But looking at a national level, this is what was really impressive to us there are only nine professional women's soccer and outside of that professional league we have the best record of all the other 17 women's uh league tim's actually got a little bit more detail about how the women's uh league is set up so we're going to educate you guys really quickly but we have some cool facts we're going to throw in at the end so the wpsl has 17 divisions and 108 teams last year's champion was fire and ice soccer club we're in the carolinas conference with the carolina rapid oak city united Beaufort County FC, Charleston Fleet FC, Lake Norman Soccer Club Eclipse, Carolina Lady Dynamo, and Discoveries FC. And out of all 17 conferences, I'm assuming this when you break down, because the Carolina Rapids actually haven't been defeated either, but if you start to use uh, tiebreakers, including goals scored, point differential, goal differential, etc., etc., Asheville City actually has the best record in the country in this league. So therefore, if you consider nine professional teams and then in the second tier, we're the best. Asheville City is actually technically a top 10 women's soccer club in the country. <laughs> Stat drop. <laughs> I, I actually think that's pretty cool. I mean, let's let's not go ahead and say that they're a professional women's soccer team just yet, but we're watching the watching the games, watching the highlights. I mean, Enos, Coach Enos has done a phenomenal job with them. And not only is she doing a phenomenal job, she has phenomenal players as well. And it's the fluidity that the entire club has that really I think sets them apart. Because when you watch when you watch soccer, you want to be entertained. You know, you want of course wins a win. But more importantly, how do you know if you go and watch? There's a difference between going and watching your your ten year old play basketball and watching a grown man dunk. One of them gets you off your feet. The other ones you're cheering to support. The way that our women play is like watching LeBron James or Golden State Warriors or just a dominant team play. It's possessive. It's attacking. When when they make passes, they're actually uh, looking to move forward with them as well. I mean, and again, the way that Molly Dwyer, Cujo, and we mentioned it before, Megan McAllister have been playing. I mean, those are three top-level players at this level. I, I, th- I can't. Again, we said this. We've said this on every podcast. Extremely excited to see what's what they're going to be able to do in the playoffs. Guys, the World Cup starts this Friday. We got opinions. Pat, what are your surprise group stage opinions? I'm really, really looking forward to Uruguay this year. Group A, they're in a group with Russia, Egypt, and Saudi Arabia. And that's not the strongest group. And I know everyone's talking about Mo Salah of Egypt. But my surprise pick is that Uruguay is actually going to make it to the Final Four. And Russia 
will actually make it out of the group stage. And that's partially just due to history, where the host nation has has predominantly always made it out of the group stage. And I know Mo Salah, probably one of the top five players in the world right now, playing is just being excellent. But when I look up and down the team, and I think about what's it like playing against 40,000 people, because the people in Russia will be supporting the Russian team, I just have a hard time convincing myself that Russia won't make it out of the group stage. So my surprise is that Uruguay will make it to the final four. They will beat France in the uh, the last eight, the elite eight of the World Cup. And that Russia will, uh, you know, the hot take is that Egypt will make it out. My hot take is that Russia will make it out. If I had a, a unpopular opinion, I think think it would probably be that Argentina actually isn't going to make it out of the group stage. Now I'll preface this by saying that I believe there's just as good of a chance that they make the final four as they do what I'm about to say, but I think Nigeria makes it out of that group over Argentina. Wow. You know what? I actually agree with you. Like when I essentially what is the, the key player and we're talking about group D here, everybody group D, which is Argentina, Iceland, Croatia and Nigeria. I mean, on paper, in theory, you have the best player in the world. You have Higuain, uh, Pablo Dybala. Uh, oh, my gosh. I'm blanking on the other great striker they have on their bench right now. There's uh, oh, uh, Kun Aguero. They have they're a stacked team offensively. But who's their goalie? Because Romero's not playing anymore. I don't trust their defense. They're not. Um. Ever Benega is not on the team anymore, and I don't trust that without a good solid defense that you can't win the World Cup. So again, I agree with you. If if Arge, if Messi comes up and turns up and is the best player in the world every single game, they have as likely of the chances making the final four. But one slip up, Croatia is a solid team with real players. Nigeria is fast. I actually, with my another uh, personal pick, I think Croatia is going to win the group, and I see Nigeria coming in second. But of course, we could be eating our words here in a little bit, Tim. <laughs> our, they do have Lionel Messi, so let's let's be honest. We could easily see them going through. But I, I want to see something new. I want to see Croatia and Nigeria make it through um, to tailor off the point that you just made. Pat, do you have a breakout player for the tournament? So my breakout player, I actually have two breakout players that I see. One is Emil Forsberg of Sweden and the other being Marcus Rashford of England. If, if you're on Bleacher Report, if you're watching sports, if you know anything about European soccer, you know that Marcus Rashford has come on the scene the past few years. But if you watch the game that he played the other day in that world-class goal, it wasn't just the world-class goal that got me out of my seat. It was the positioning, the, the creativity I, Tim, you know, I'm a huge Manchester United fan. I love watching the team, but man, we are have been stale these days. Jose Mourinho does not play a style of football that gets me off my seat. And to see some of these United players now in their national teams with total freedom, like Marcus Rashford and how energized he is, hearing things like Jesse Lingard saying he, he feels more comfortable in the team. I really expect Marcus Rashford to really do well in the group stage um, this year and to actually push them forward into the round of 16 and to have a big year. And Emil Forsberg, if you're unfamiliar with Sweden, or you, you probably heard of them through Zlatan Ibrahimovic, but ironically enough, I heard this this morning, Sweden hasn't made the World Cup since Zlatan's been on the team, they've always missed out, and now they finally have made it, and it's because of this guy, he's creative, Sweden's actually the biggest team in the World Cup this year, uh, height-wise, and Emil For Forsberg is a set-piece specialist, so I'm excited to see him have an opportunity to break out, He's been he's been linked with Manchester United, Arsenal in the past, but kind of like James Rodriguez a few years ago, where he made a pretty big money move to Porto, but then broke out seven goals, Golden Boot, took got the move to Real Madrid. I think that of all the players in this year's World Cup, I my personal opinion, 
Emil Forsberg is going to be the one who gets the big contract with he has a possibility of having the biggest World Cup out. Early golden boot. Robert Lewandowski, baby. Dude, the Polish striker, he's been crushing it the past few years. He's actually, if you've been reading transfer rumors, he's been linked with Chelsea, Real Madrid. I think he wants to get out of Bayern Munich. Again, I have no sources, but I think he wants to get out of Bayern Munich. Uh, he's won three. He's won. He's won three titles there with him, and everything that you can win just in Germany. Of course, not the Champions League. And I think he wants that opportunity to play something different. You know, he's moved every three years in his career, three to four years. I see this being his year, going to the World Cup. Um, let me pull up his group real quickly. He's got it's Poland. It's Group H. You have Poland, Senegal, Colombia, and Japan. Uh, I know. I say Kuli Diabali or something like that. He plays for Napoli, is on the uh, Senegalese defense, and Yuri Mina from Colombia. You know, I, I know the names because I watch the sport, but I'm I take a, the Polish striker over either of those guys. And no discredit to Japan. I don't know any of their I don't know any of their defensive players. I, I have my and if if my predictions are right, I have Poland playing England um, in the round of sixteen. And I just think Robert Lewandowski, he's the focal point. He's one of the uh, probably the three best strikers in the world. I just see him and Marcus Rashford, who ironically could see each other in that round of 16. Uh, have, I see him having a goal fest this World Cup. Do you think Poland's going to go over England? Yes. I think I have, in my, in my uh, predictions, I have Poland losing to Germany in uh, the last eight. Final four, by the way, I w- we, we'd love to get your opinion. Hit us up on Twitter. You're smarter uh, than us. We love. We want to get your opinions. My final four is Uruguay faces Brazil, Spain faces Germany. Three of the four biggest powers. I just have Uruguay beating France in the in the Elite Eight. Tim, you're wearing an American uh, soccer, American U.S. jersey right now. We had a game yesterday against France. Was it the French played poorly? Are they not in tune? Or are you, should our young guys have been playing the qualifying games? What, what, what happened yesterday? 1-1's one, not bad, especially in the Parc de France. I think that was a complete indictment on, Prince. on Bruce Arena and his tactics and the complacency of our veterans. Those boys went out yesterday. They had nothing to lose and honestly nothing to win other than national pride. And they put it to... France's basic starting 11. There was nothing that happened on that pitch that convinced me France was, and and they were an early pick of mine to possibly win the whole World Cup tournament. And after yesterday, I I am backpedaling so fast on that prediction. Our boys looked fantastic. Julian Green had a gorgeous goal. Our keeper had some fantastic moves out there. Everything was ticking. France, France, you got you guys have some challenges you've got to figure out going into this tournament. How many times have we heard before this World Cup, Tim? The, the team that didn't make France's national team would make the round of 16. Yep. And I've heard that time and time again. And you know what? They're totally right. But I want to pick them to go beyond there because the one thing that I, I, I don't see with France is a leader. Who's going to tell Paul Pogba, shut up, do this? Who's going to get Antoine Griezmann in position? Who has that authority? Who's their Zinedine Zidane, Patrick Vieira, who commands the team? And the issue is they don't have that. I mean, Blaise Matuidi, N'Golo Conte, Rafael uh, Varane, uh, Olivier Giroud, a personal favorite of mine, Kylian Mbappe, who... Of all the players who played yesterday from France, showed up in, in great positions, was trying to create. Yes, they weren't on page, but the way that he was in the positions trying to create things, 
he's a player to watch as well, a breakout player to watch as well in the World Cup. But they're unconvincing. I mean, hey, I love we love the U.S. men's national team, and we want to. You know what? I think that us not making the World Cup is better for these young players because I think the older players that we had were just kind of getting stale. Like we knew what we were going to get. We're going to fight through. Maybe we get out of a group stage, but we're never going to challenge for anything. Yesterday was uh, Timothy Way, uh, Weston McKinney. This is their first time to play against a real World Cup contender that's fully stacked because there was no jokes on France teams yesterday. That was a fully stacked French squad playing in their last warm-up game in Paris. Like this this was this was not a, this, while it was a friendly in nature. France was going out there to get momentum for the World Cup and you know, we were defensive. I mean, I saw a stat during the first half that said France had 70% of the possession. We had 30. I mean, let's be honest, they dominated the ball, but it was an unconvincing domination. It's like in basketball when a team has the ball, but they're just all passing around the three-point line and no one's really looking to shoot and no one's looking to get it inside. It's, it's kind of like possession for possession, not for an attack. So, hey, shout out to the men's national team. We're, we're proud of you guys. Julian Green, 4-10. and 10. Let's keep that going. Like We'd love to see more. Four years ago, we thought you were a prodigy. Maybe now is your time. But this World Cup, um, I'd love to see a personal prediction. I know this is a common choice, but top to bottom, you talk about speed, defense, leadership, has been there before, chip on the shoulder. Brazil, got to give it to Brazil. I think Brazil is going to be the team that that lifts it all. Uh, Neymar, I mean everyone knows Neymar. He hasn't he hasn't played in a while. He's been playing for the national team. He looks good. He looks fresh. Philip Coutinho. I mean you just look at they've got speed to kill winners. Oh my gosh, do they have winners in their team? Uh, even the te- the guys who didn't haven't won anything that are on their team this year, Roberto Firmino played in a cup final and who are coming off the bench. The- that is going to be a very, very, very scary team. Um, I see them beating Germany in the final. Soccer is a game where 22 men kick a ball around, and and in the end, the Germans win. Germany will beat Brazil in the final. <laughs> I, I, there's only the one issue I'm going to argue with on on this, Tim, because I think you're. I mean, Brazil, uh, Germany, excuse me, second best chance. Why did they leave off Leroy Sané and bring on this Julian Brandt guy? Hey, Julian Brandt, great player. Uh, Bayer Leverkusen. Nothing against him, but when you're thinking about speed, technical, who had the best year? Julian Brandt is a slower Thomas Mueller, a, sm- a slower Marco Royce. Leroy Sane, Sane is exceptional speed. So I'm a little surprised by that, and I think it's going to come back to haunt them when they play someone like Brazil when you have a Marcelo or extremely fast uh, fullbacks and people who can keep up pace. I, not, it's not because of Leroy Sane. I know the Germans... I mean, they're they're great. I'm not sold that this is their year to repeat. I think Brazil has a lot going for them. Plus, if they meet in the final, do you think Brazil will have forgotten about last World Cup? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I did, did, I'm going to miss... Uh, um, David Luiz. D- David Luiz's sad face. <laughs> yes. So... W- w- I mean, you look... I, I mean, I look at the Brazil squad. He's not even... He's not even... He's not... Ugh. I mean, is, is he even on the squad? I don't even, I, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I was going to say, yeah, Marquinhos, you have Miranda, you have Thiago Silva. Those are three world-class center backs right there. You have the the hottest keeper on the transfer market, Allison, in goal right now. Uh, Marcel on the left back, probably going to play Danilo on the right back. That's probably their weakest point since Danny Alves is out. However, when you have people like 
William, Coutinho, Roberto Firmino, Gabriel Jesus, Neymar, um, the uh, Douglas Costa who just signed with Juventus. When you look at the attacking talent, it's who who can stop them? Probably the Germans. Maybe Uruguay. If if my they in Belgium, I expect them both to win their groups and they'd be meeting in the last date. That will be in it. That would that'd be my game to watch in the World Cup if it happens. Would be a Brazil Belgium uh, last date game. You're talking about attacking talent, attacking talent, attacking talent, and two teams that want to go. You know, the World Cup, you get a lot of zero, 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 zero ones, one ones, one twos. I think that could be a 4-3 game. Pat, where will you be watching the World Cup in action? Don't tell my my boss, but at work. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no. In all seriousness, I'll be working. Uh, I'll record the games. I'll be watching the home. Um, guys, I mean, this is a great opportunity to go out to bars to watch it. Uh, High Wire is a great place to, to watch a game. Um, I mean, anywhere on the South Slope, you'll see a, you'll probably see a blue or two around there, and that they're always fun people to watch a game with. I mean... To be honest with you, this, the World Cup is meant to be enjoyed with people. So wherever I can find the best of the most people watching the game, that's where you'll find it. Guys, I, I, I cannot emphasize this enough. Get out and watch some games with other people. Highwire should be showing a lot of games. New Belgium shows all of Belgium's games, obviously. Green Man, Beer Garden... Go watch some game. There's going to be a lot of early morning games. I believe the group stages are at 8, 11, and 2. I think after that it goes to 9, 12, and eventually the final, I believe, is on July 15th or somewhere around there. It's a Sunday, I think at 11. Guys, this is such a fantastic opportunity to get out and meet some other soccer fans. Asheville has such a, a motivated passion for this sport, but we need to meet each other. We need to commune with each other. We need to share our horrible opinions with each other and build a community that's not just around the youth leagues, that isn't just around Asheville City, and isn't just around our favorite EPL teams. We need to meet each other, greet each other, and continue to build this community and create a viable community around this. Thanks guys for listening in to another episode of You're Smarter Than Us. We're going to wrap up with letting you know about this week's upcoming games. Tuesday, the women, they play Beaufort County, and then the men play home against Emerald Forest. Saturday, June 16th, we're away against Nashville. Uh, and then the women play next Sunday, June 17th, away at the Carolina Rapids. We're looking forward to recapping these games with you. We'd love to see you at the games on Tuesday and on Thursday. As always, the atmosphere will be great. The food will be good. The beer will be cold. We hope to see you guys out there. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on iTunes. We're on there now. Anchor as well. Thank you for to the Soccer and Sweet Tea. Soccer and Sweet Tea. Thank you so much for having us. And Tim, I'll let you wrap up. Thanks again, guys. And Pat, let's never forget that our fans, our audience, you're smarter than us. You've been listening to the You're Smarter Than Us podcast, a proud member of the Soccer and Sweet Tea Network. Thank you to Audionautics for our music and find us on social media at your underscore smarter on Twitter and at your smarter than us at gmail.com.